So <clears throat> we've been going through uh, Exodus so far, and we are kind of at the, I want to say the midpoint, but, but kind of a decisive moment in the story, and we're going to be looking at God saves his people at the crossing of the Red Sea today. But, but what's happened so far? Um, we went through Genesis over uh, September uh, up until just a few weeks ago, and we find the people of Israel in Egypt, and things have changed drastically from being a, a place of welcome, a place of, of safety, a place of provision, to now a place of oppression and a place of slavery. And Moses is saved and set apart by God. He is called by God, though he is very reluctant to take up this call. Check out Exodus chapter 3 to 4. And even on the whole journey, he's, pretty, he's a pretty reluctant leader. He didn't want the job. But he is called, he is set apart, he is empowered by God to lead God's people into something brand new. He confronts Pharaoh, and God confronts Pharaoh, and all the gods of Egypt. And last week, Pastor Ben unpacked the Passover for us, this covering of the blood of the Lamb that, that set apart the people of Israel and, and saved them. And Pharaoh said, get out, go. We don't want you here anymore. And they came under the covering of the blood of the Lamb, but there is more to the story. The salvation event of Passover leads to following God and experiencing his ongoing presence and his care. God is continually involved in directing, fighting for, and delivering his people. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Exodus uh, chapter 13. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at Exodus 13 uh, to 14 today. And we're going to take it in a couple chunks. <clears throat> uh, but I actually want to read the whole story first because I, I, I just like having the whole story in front of me and, and it's somewhat long. If you would like to stand, you may. Uh, but I'm going to read from 1317 all the way to 14, uh, the end of chapter 14. And so let's read this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up from out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and shall, you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahiroth between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall camp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. 
And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped by the sea at Pi-Hahiroth in front of Baal-Zaphon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Is it because there was no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. See the salvation the Lord of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed him, them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. 
And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. This is the word of the Lord. So three things we're going to take out of this is that, is that God directs his people, God fights for his people, and God delivers his people. The first one, God directs his people in chapter 13, 17 to 22. We, we have this, the, the people of Israel are coming out of Egypt and God is leading them in this pillar of fire and cloud. But where does he take them and where does he lead them? Does he take them straight to the promised land? He takes them the long way. He takes them on a weird route. He doesn't take them straight to Canaan. It says the, the, the way of the Philistines. This would have been a road that basically ran uh, from, from upper Egypt, uh, where, where the people of Israel were, right kind of on the Mediterranean coast, and just would have followed the coastline. And it would have been a journey of maybe a couple weeks, not 40 years. If you were to draw a map of your life, starting from birth to where you are now, how straight a line would that be? How did you end up here? How did I end up here? I mean, I ask myself that question often. How, do I, how did I get to this place in life? How did I get to being 50 years old? How did I get to have five kids who, you know, sometimes I'm wondering how this happened. I mean, I know how it happened, but... <laughs> How did I get to this place in life? And what were, I, I mean, was your life a straight line, predictable and obvious? How many detours, how many side roads, how many, how many confused turnabouts? You know, maybe sometimes, you know, they just started putting roundabouts down at the coast just, a, just a four or five years ago. I mean, I came from Edmonton. I knew what those were like. Uh, but, but the roundabouts where, you know, you go in and you're, you got to kind of pick which lane depending on where you want to get out. But man, it confused people down there, right? But sometimes, don't you feel your life, you kind of stuck in the inner lane of the roundabout? It's like, how do I get out of here? Where is it going? I mean, if, if we were to map out our lives, we know it hasn't been a straight line and it hasn't been easy. There's been detours, there's been washed out roads, there's been broken bridges, there's been detours. God leads us, but it's not always a straight line, predictable, or obvious to us. You see, in this situation, God knew the hearts of his people. He said, boy, if, the, if they go that way, they're going to encounter war too soon, and they're going to they're give up, and they're going to go back. He knew the hearts of his people. You see, you can take the people out of Egypt, but taking the Egypt out of the people is another matter altogether. And when we face conflict and tension, we want what's familiar, we want what's comfortable, even if it isn't healthy or productive. How many of you listened to Keith Green back in the day? Remember the song, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt? <laughs> the real funny song, you know, is basically, you know, people want what they know, not what they don't know. We would rather suffer with what we know rather than enter the uncomfortable realm 
of what we don't know. I've heard it often said, people only change when the pain of the change is less than the pain of staying the same. Here they are. God has led them. And it's kind of interesting because God leads them to this place where they're trapped. Where they're cornered. Where there's no way out other than his way. There's no, God leads them to this, this moment in time physically and everything and, and their whole, the only thing they can see is we're trapped, we're gonna die. But God led them there. God leads his people. And, and he led them there for a, a, a deliberate purpose. In order for God's people to embrace their true freedom that he had won for them, it was going to take time, and they needed to experience more of God than they even had experienced. Can, can you imagine, like, like up until the, the end of the crossing of the Red Sea, the chap, end of chapter 14, it doesn't tell us the people believed the Lord and trusted Moses until after that. Now, go back and think about what they had been through. Nine plagues, the Passover, and still they didn't believe. In order for God's people to embrace their true freedom, it was going to take more time and experiences with God. Learning to live in the freedom that God secures for us takes time. And we always have more to learn. God leads his people. He takes them on a journey, and he sets the pace. We go on in the story that the, the, the people don't break camp unless that cloud moves. And when that cloud's moving, they follow it. God sets the pace. God sets the agenda. And it may look confusing and crazy from the outside, but his leading is deliberate. He has a purpose even when we don't understand it. God directs his people. Second thing we see in this passage is that the God will fight for his people. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And Moses is saying this. Look at the text there. This is in uh, chapter 14, verse 13. God hasn't told him what he's going to do yet. He's only said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh, but he doesn't tell him how. And Moses at this point, before God speaks again in verse 15, says, fear not to the people of Israel. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Now, is it because they couldn't fight? 600,000 men left Egypt with Israel, armed for battle. They were not unprepared, they were not unequipped, they were not unarmed. And in just a few chapters and within months, the people will engage in battle. They, they, they're not unable to, to do something about this, so why does God tell them, stop, stand still, 
wait. Don't lift a finger. Don't engage in this battle. This battle is not yours. At this point, they still could not see themselves as a people who were free and empowered by God. And they still really didn't know who Yahweh God was. They were just beginning to experience him. I mean, if you think about it, Passover would have been a little weird. They were shut in their houses. They didn't see all of what happened over the land of Egypt. It may have been a bit distant to them. Even the plagues, though they saw all that, it's, it's, it's very odd stuff that happened. This, this is really in their faces, though. You've got an army coming towards you. You've got a sea to your back. It's getting a little more real. What will it take to cement the reality that God is with his people? They see the pillar of cloud and fire, but what is that? That's something new again. It's, it's unfamiliar. It's not, what they're, it's not what they're used to. Who, what were they used to? They were used to Pharaoh as a God, small g, that they could see. A God that they served a God who exerted power over them, a God who was now pursuing them in vengeance. That's the God they could see. Yahweh is a God they could not see, whom they have yet to serve, and whose power they did not yet know. God, in many ways, needed to prove his sovereignty and his power over Pharaoh in a decisive and final way. And he does so here. God fights for his people. And so God tells his people, stand down, stay still, look to him, and experience a salvation they could not secure for themselves. And God asks the same of us. Cease striving and know that I am the Lord. You cannot accomplish salvation by yourselves there is an army coming and a wall of water at your back, and if you try to win the battle for your own salvation, you will lose. Be still. The Lord will fight for you. God directs his people, and God fights for his people. And lastly, the close of the chapter, we see the amazing work, and God delivers his people. Israel saw the great work which the Lord did on the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God's deliverance and fighting for his people is decisive and final. Pharaoh and his army are wiped out in a moment. The victory is won without Israel lifting a finger, just having to walk in obedience and following God's instruction. This fight was not theirs to enter. It was not theirs to win. And the victory was not theirs either. And so it is with us, sin and death and Satan are foes we can, are not foes we can vanquish. Jesus fought and delivered his people. On the cross, sin was drained of its power. The resurrection shows a final blow against sin and death and Satan 
and it has been delivered. And Paul concludes his magisterial uh, chapter on the resurrection, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, with these words. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The people of Israel experienced Passover, but it was not enough to save and deliver Israel. They also had to leave Egypt. They also had to come to terms with the fact that their true freedom was not something they could secure for themselves. Pharaoh would still pursue them and try to enslave them again. God had to reveal that his salvation is fully his work and forever. You will never see the Egyptians again. But God's freedom and salvation is so final and so full. He alone leads the way, fights for us, delivers us from everything that seeks to enslave us. And maybe today you feel like you have been backed into a corner and the threat of a former master is looming over your life and you're not sure you're going to make it through this time. Maybe it's an old sinful habit that's returned and it's gnawing at your heart again. You're struggling to see a way out and you feel helpless and hopeless and trapped. Sometimes we try so hard and we believe we have to fight to prove ourselves to God or we're tempted to just give up and go back and not bother anymore because living and following Jesus is harder. But Jesus has already defeated the sin and the death that threatens you. The power of sin is broken at the cross, crushed at the resurrection. And the freedom he has is available. And perhaps it's time for you to stand firm, be still, and see salvation of the Lord. Faith and trust are needed. We need to come to the place where we abandon our strategies for being good enough for God or for behaving our way into his favor and rest and submit to his direction and his victory and his deliverance. But this isn't as easy as it sounds. It's not just going, well, God's got to do it. I can't do anything about it. It's actually way harder. Because we always want to contribute. We, we always have this kind of need to feel good about ourselves and that we've put in the effort so God should bless us. But actually more than that, we want to just be in control of everything and of God himself too. So we, we organize our lives to make sure that he's going to do the right thing to us. We also want our efforts and piety to be a measuring stick to, that we can use against others, rank ourselves against our neighbor. 
But instead, what God offers us in the gospel of Jesus Christ is a freedom from pride and control and arrogance and calls us instead to a place of repentance, humility, and surrender, allowing him to lead, allowing him to fight, and trusting in his deliverance, not our own. You may feel that your back is up against a wall right now because God has led you to a dead end of saving yourself by your own efforts. And so today he is calling you to stop trying so that you can experience his salvation. When the people of God reached that other shore, what did they do? They not only trusted Moses and God, they burst into song. And so, as we think about God's marvelous salvation, as we think about what Christmas is all about, because Christmas is all about leading into Easter, and Easter is all about God's victory through Jesus Christ. What are some of the mighty acts of God that you can worship God for this week? See, the great I am is the Lord of creation, the one who spoke the world into existence. He formed humans from the dust of the ground. He holds supreme power to intervene on behalf of his people. And God causes his creation to to fold back the waters so that Israel could cross over the sea on dry ground and he defeats his enemies in the same way. Similarly, Jesus, the Lord of creation, the defeater of sin and death in the grave at his resurrection helps God's people cross over from death to life. Therefore, how should we worship God? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice, let your reasonableness Reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What are the mighty acts of God that you need to just worship and adore him for this week? Secondly, the heart. What are some ways in which you are doubting God's providence in your daily life? If God acted miraculously in creation on behalf of Israel and acted on behalf of the church to save us from the wrath of God's judgment, then he has done so with a purpose. And God acts on behalf of his people to empower us to live on mission for him in a sinful, broken world. Reality is the greatest miracle of God has already happened for us. Jesus Christ saved us from our sin and our deserved judgment. And we can trust him to sustain us every day in our salvation and in our mission. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-9. Listen, listen to this over your life right now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The greatest miracle ever God accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. Be alive in him, forgiven and set free to worship him, to love him, to serve him. And finally, with whom will you share the good news, the gospel of Jesus about the hope of salvation from sin? God came to rescue his people, Israel, from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea so that they could cross over on dry land. And God also defeated their enemies and assured them of their freedom and God's supremacy. Jesus came down to rescue, crossing over death on our behalf and bringing us safely to the other side with eternal life and having experienced God's divine rescue. How can we keep this good news from those who have not heard. With whom will you share the gospel of Jesus Christ this week? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word today of your sovereign, saving grace. Lord, whatever situations we in our life are facing right now where we feel we are backed into a corner with the threats coming at us and no way of escape behind us. Lord, I pray that you would give us faith to stand and see the salvation of God. That we would respond to you when you do open the way. And we would walk through in confidence and in worship. Lord, I, I don't know what the struggles are, the challenges and the tensions, but Lord, you have promised to be with us, to walk with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus told his followers. I will send the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to empower you, to lead you into all truth. Invict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so, Lord, may we, first of all, turn and worship you for what you have done on the cross for us. May we surrender our pain and our lives and our struggles to your care, for you care for us more than we even know. And may we come in humble repentance because 
so often we try to not stand and see the salvation of God. We try to work it out for ourselves. So Lord, may we come to a place of deep humility and full surrender at the foot of the cross. For you've already done the greatest miracle ever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for walking with us. May we see your salvation and celebrate day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for a benediction from Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory, with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all times, now and forever. Amen.